a Negroni. I was going to say the same thing. Yeah. Magliata. Mmm. With Prosecco. Oh, stunning. Yeah. Welcome back, besties, to another episode of The Lowdown with Lauren Fanger. Today, we're just going to be doing a nice little pop culture update. There's been so much going on right now in the zeitgeist. Um, So we're going to be talking about a couple of those big trending topics I know you are eager to hear about and get some uh, more information on. So we're going to start out with... The probably the biggest news of the last week and a half, which is the breakup of Taylor Swift and Joe Alwyn. Um, this has come as quite a shock to a lot of Swifties. A lot of sources have reported that they have either gotten married or gotten engaged within the last like two years or so. Um, so just to give you a brief timeline on those two, they started dating in October of 2016, and their first date is mentioned in a lot of Taylor's songs, including um, Delicate. She mentions their first date in a pub, um, and technically they met for the first time at the Met Gala in 2016. Um, Taylor was attending with her partner of the time, uh, Calvin Harris, but was seen dancing with Tom Hiddleston, so there's... Um, kind of three people involved with that uh, whole summer. She goes from Calvin to Tom and then to Joe Alwyn. Um, she also talks about that whole experience in her song Getaway Car from Reputation. There have been rumors, like I said, about an engagement or an actual marriage, but nothing has been confirmed. Demois, I suppose, has confirmed it before, but that's Demois. We haven't seen any actual credible uh, sources, any real journalists or Taylor or Joe themselves talk about it, so we don't really know anything for sure. Um, something to note about their relationship generally is that they have collaborated on um, music before. Uh, Alwyn helped her write multiple songs on her last few albums, and he was credited as the alias William Bowery. So if you see people talking about William Bowery online, that's who they're referring to. Um, And he actually won a Grammy because of his contributions to some of her songs on uh, Folklore. And according to sources in Alwyn's camp, they broke up over personality differences, which I'm not really sure what that means. They've been dating for six years. Like, they probably would have figured out a couple years ago some of those personality differences. Um, My personal perspective on this is that when they started dating, Joe Alwyn was an up-and-coming actor, and he was dating a huge pop star, but he probably didn't mind her fame because he was still pretty new on the scene, and then he booked some really big gigs like The Favourite, for example, which ended up being a smash success, but not because of him. Um, no one seems to find his performances remarkable or interesting enough to separate him from his relationship. Um, and this is not to say, like, he is completely untalented or anything like that, but he's not extraordinarily remarkable like all of her former bows before. Like, you know, whether it's Harry Styles or John Mayer or Joe Jonas or whoever, they are all pretty remarkable. Um, and we look at their uh, works of art completely separate from her. It's not just... Like, even Taylor Lautner um, is known for Twilight. And I guess 
a lot of people will ask, okay, well, why do we care? (laughs) Why do we care about all this? And I think it just comes back to more of the question of like, can a woman with such success can really, can she really have it all? Um, And the answer is only if you can find a partner who is going to be okay with um, an extremely volatile fan base, constant touring, being one of the biggest pop stars in the world, having a reputation the way she does. Um, And I think some of those things he was willing to accept, but um, you need a partner who is humble enough to know that like, at least in his case, she's going to be the breadwinner. She's going to be the bigger person. And this is all just my speculation. So the next piece of news on the docket is rumors have started circulating probably like in the past week or so that Timothy Chalamet and Kylie Jenner have been seeing each other. And just to give you a background on each of their dating histories, Timothy Chalamet dated Madonna's daughter Lourdes in high school. He dated Lily Rose Depp for a couple of years. And of course, uh, the viral photos of him and Aza Gonzalez uh, in the pool in Mexico during the pandemic. Uh, And Kylie Jenner has been linked to Cody Simpson, Jaden Smith, and then later on, Tyga, Drake, and of course, Travis Scott, who's the father of her two children. Most people seem to think that this is a publicity grab uh, from the Jenner camp. I'm not really sure how much I believe that, only because I don't think this situation would look good for Timothy Chalamet. He's a really respected actor. He's been in a lot of prestige films. Um, He's known for being, I suppose, like a sort of intellectual film geek. And this is not to say that like he would not date someone who is like very conventionally attractive uh i just think that most people who you know live in my world would look at that relationship and say we're not really sure what they would talk about uh i think also most people at least in my world have sort of claimed timothy chalamet as like their white boy of the month um he's sensitive he's sweet he's got that you know curly hair and it's sort of hard to see that our, our so-called sensitive, smart, thoughtful actor is dating what we consider to be the embodiment of capitalism, of one of the creators of extremely unhealthy beauty standards, someone who appropriates a lot of other cultures. Um, and I, I mean, maybe that's just my perspective on it, but it just seems very unlikely that they are having real conversations about anything, especially since he's friends with people like Zendaya. But I guess we'll, we'll find out more. Our next topic, um, just want to give a heads up in advance. This is going to have some spoilers for Succession episodes three and four. Um, so this is a topic that's very close to my heart. I'm a huge fan of Succession. And so season four, episode three, during Connor Roy's wedding, uh, the oldest Roy son, the patriarch of the family, his father, Logan Roy, passes away this has been what the show has been building towards since its very first episode we have been waiting and waiting and waiting for logan to die honestly because it seems like he'll never really step down and actually name a successor the only way we're going to have someone succeed him is for him to die and the title literally promises a successor to logan as the head of waystar royco so this is this is the moment. People are going to be talking about where they were when they watched this episode 
in 10, 20, 30 years, it's going to be like um, the Red Wedding on Game of Thrones. Um, And I think what is so poignant about this episode is a couple of things. First off, Logan died exactly as he lived. He was away from his family on a business trip, surrounded by people who he either employed or people who had something else to gain by being around him. And he actually would have had the opportunity to die around his entire family at Connor's wedding. Obviously, that wouldn't have been a particularly lovely moment at a wedding, but he would have been surrounded by people who, albeit have like a complicated relationship with him, do still love him, even though he is or was such a tyrant. I think also what a lot of people have found to be so spectacular about this episode is how true to life it is uh the experience of having a loved one or a parent um pass away and not really knowing or understanding if you're not there with them most of the episode is the roy children sitting on the phone with shiv's estranged husband tom getting updates um from him getting updates from other members of the staff who are on the plane with him um and not being entirely sure for from our perspective about an hour if he's dead or not it could have been a lot longer in the timeline of the show and just the pure anxiety the um the way that roman and shiv revert into this like childlike state the way that kendall has to step up and sort of just take charge on everything because he knows no one else is going to do it it just it seems so true to life and i think that's why i personally i got very emotional watching it i think that no matter how much money you have, how much power you have, you can't buy back your dad. Everybody has that same um, feeling when they lose a loved one. And they they portrayed it so spectacularly. I predict it's probably going to be um, the thing that gets at least Sarah Snook an Emmy nomination, if not many other members of the cast. And also, Succession has really made its way into the zeitgeist um the way the way that the la times actually put out a real obituary about logan roy was hysterical it has become such a part of the culture that an actual like multiple media news outlets put out obituaries for logan roy it was very funny uh and i think the people's or the audience's only real disappointment with this episode is no more brian cox He was such a goddamn powerhouse on this show, and he got some really phenomenal scenes in the first two and a half episodes. Um, And we'll just miss seeing him on our screens, I think. I think that's what most people feel. Okay, moving on to our next piece of news. HBO Max announced that they would be creating a seven-season television show version of Harry Potter as a more faithful adaptation of the books supposedly and every season is going to be corresponding with each book uh i think the most important part of this is that jk rowling will be executive producing the show yikes obviously any harry potter ip is going to make her a ton of money whether it's the video games or the wizarding world shops or whatever she created the world so she gets money off of all of that This she will be directly involved in. And I think a lot of people are very nervous about the child actors that will sign on for this who are so young they probably don't understand 
what kind of person J.K. Rowling is, and we all know the power of the parent of a child actor. So a lot of these kids, a lot of people think, are going to be harassed severely online for being involved with a production that is headed by someone who is just, to be quite honest, an absolute piece of shit. Um, So I ask you if you're listening to this, and you, you know, are going to be upset about that, be kind. These kids probably have no idea what's going on. Um, I would also advise everybody to not stream this show when it comes out. Find a new show. (laughs) There's literally so many um, amazing shows, original content, not reused IP that are made by great people. Uh, We don't need to give that woman any more of our money. Next on the docket, uh, this week, Sasha Colby has been crowned the winner of RuPaul's Drag Race Season 15. She is the first Native Hawaiian winner, and she won Miss Continental in 2012, which is sort of like the equivalent of Miss America, but for people who perform in drag. And I guess this is is just something that is really important. Drag Race has um, been exclusive in the past primarily cisgender male drag queens uh, who are gay and colby is actually the fourth trans woman in a row to win a season i think it's also important that we pay attention to drag race and pay attention to people who are performing in drag because of everything that's been going on in politics uh with people trying to ban drag story hour public drag shows etc it is important that we like show love to these people who are so publicly performing in drag making uh being a drag queen a part of their career and um show them love drag is so much fun i was talking to my mom about this the other day republicans are losers because um for many reasons but in in particular in this moment because Drag is so much fun. It is so much fun to see. It is so much fun to enjoy. Uh, I find a lot of joy in watching RuPaul's Drag Race. I haven't watched this season, but I've watched past seasons. And it's fun. It's a joyous art form. And um, I'm really glad that Sasha uh, Sasha Colby is uh, getting her flowers. It seems like she's a very experienced, well-respected drag queen. And last piece of news is... They finally announced who will be performing at uh, Prince slash King Charles's coronation. Uh, it's going to be Katy Perry, Lionel Richie, and Take That. Other musicians were asked before them. Uh, Harry Styles, Adele, and my personal favorite is Elton John, who was a close personal friend of Princess Diana and rewrote the words to his song Candle in the Wind uh, to be about Princess Diana when she passed away. I think most people are not really looking forward to his coronation. I think a lot more people have uh, become aware of the issues with the monarchy, particularly with the issues with Meghan Markle and Prince Harry, but also the longer standing issues of colonialism and racism and all of that good stuff that comes with uh, a monarchy. And I do think it's interesting that I don't know Take That Lead, but I do know that Lionel Richie and Katy Perry are both, A, uh, American Idol judges. (laughs) I don't know what they're doing on here. And two, they're both American. Uh, The two bigger names on this are both American. They couldn't find big British acts that wanted to perform at this coronation. So something to chew on. I guess we'll be looking 
towards uh, the coronation, see if these performances are any good. Um, yeah, that's really all we got for today. If you want to follow us on Instagram, it's going to be the.lowdown.podcast and it's lowdown, L-O-D-O-W-N. Uh, you can follow me at, at @chickenfangers and tell a friend, tell a coworker, tell your enemy to listen to our podcast uh, and try and rate us five stars if you haven't already. Okay, thank you so much. Bye.